0: plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: welcome to the mentor i'm mark boris marion farrelly welcome to the mentor again
2: thanks i love that you call me marion you're gonna call me maz though afterwards, i know aren't maz, you? Yeah, yeah. But i
1: just sort of do the formal shit first um I always uh, feel like
2: I'm in trouble when someone says Marion. It's normally my accountant or the tax people.
1: Probably was your dad at one stage. <laughs> of life. I do know Marion from, Maz from a long, long time ago and still today. Um, I'm a Maz fan. Um, oh, she was okay. a producer many years ago in the Celebrity Apprentice series.
2: I've made everything.
1: You did uh, Farmwood's Wife or Big Brother? Farmwood's Wife,
2: you? Big Brother, five series of Big Brother here in the UK, uh, Dance from the Stars, The X Factor, uh, created, helped create Q&A. Uh, so I've done... A thousand shows.
1: I guess what's significant about that, Maz Speaks is the name of Marion's business, (laughs) Maz, M-A-Z Speaks. Um, What people need to understand is what that business
2: is. So I think that every business is like a TV show. It's like a Netflix ad, really. If people don't find what you've written about your business interesting, they're not interested. Full stop. So if you go into a board meeting, you go into a pitch, you've got information to deliver to your audience. If it isn't interesting, no one's interested. So I help people, I say, deliver their message with the impact of a cement fist in a soft cashmere glove. So I give companies the X factor.
1: And uh, I can tell you that uh, from my experience, so I don't know if people understand how this this shit works like say Some (laughs) some of my celebrity friends' We barely understand. So what happens in these shows is that, say, me, the host, I'm sitting in the boardroom, which is like cameras and a fake boardroom, but anyway, nonetheless. It becomes real, though, very, very soon. Um, and you've got all the celebrities sitting in front of me. But what actually people don't realise is i got a thing in my, ear called, these guys call it a bug, but it's actually a hearing aid. <laughs> Not because I'm too old, I can't hear. But the hearing aid is actually connected back to a control room. And outside the studio is a big van. I think it was a van, you guys room. Were you in a van?
2: Yes, always. People always think TV is glamorous. And we were in the van.
1: Totally not glamorous. <laughs> and uh, and by the way, the 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 my studio or my my set was basically cardboard and timber frames, and it was all sticky taped. It was definitely not glamorous, <laughs> let me tell you. And uh, Maz would be sitting along with the crew, uh, her uh, production crew would be sitting in the van, and Maz would be sitting there watching the show live because the show gets edited, but what she's trying to get is um, me to do things and she'd be whispering in my ear, ask her about this. And largely what Maz is trying to do is trying to get me to ask a question that would get a response from the person I'm asking the question of. And she'd be pushing me because Maz would be seeing everyone in the room, the whole 12 contestants or the 10, whatever whoever's left, And a lot of times I can't see that. And she'd be seeing someone who might be twitching below the table. She'd be reading their body language and saying, go down the other end of the table and talk to um, Pauline Hansen." What does someone like you learn, Maz, from doing these shows? I mean, you're not a psychologist, but you sort of learn street psychology to some extent.
2: You and I kind of are, though, because we watch people. You know, you – I was saying the guys before you arrived – about the first time we ever met. Do you remember the first time we ever met?
1: Well, I don't remember. Remind me.
2: <laughs> this is like a, a wedding anniversary time. Do you remember the day we met?
1: Uh, <laughs> and the guys always
2: say no. <laughs> no, no idea. I think you were wearing blue. It was red. Uh, we were in your boardroom. and My actual boardroom. Your real boardroom. And everyone was sitting around the table. And there were a lot of people around the table. And I hadn't met you before and I hadn't met any of the team. And the guys had flown over from the Celebrity Apprentice in New York.
1: Oh, you yeah, 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 the, the actual producers. Yeah, the, the like call big the guys cheese ones, the superstars. Yeah.
2: And we're all there trying to be, you know, a bit impressive and not look like an idiot. And you stopped the meeting and you said, Would Maz be more senior or less senior than the guy who did the show before? So everyone's looking around, kind of going, This is really like, that's a hard question to answer. I'm sitting in the room. So obviously, I'm kind of thinking, What's my boss going to say? And bless him, he kinda went, Uh, it's a, she'd be kind of a sort of like a uh so I jumped in and said, I'd be more senior. You know, that guy is sensational, he's brilliant and he will absolutely outrank me. Not at the moment. You know, I've done more shows. And you sat back and you kind of went, Okay. And it wasn't about that, it was about whether I would stand up for myself, whether my boss would say, She's the queen. And the guys from New York said, We like you, you're sassy. This is good. And in that moment, you told everybody in the room who everybody was in the room. And it was like, obviously, you have a business background. I think that often it's about positioning yourself. How much is your stock worth when you enter the room? How much is your stock worth when you leave the room? My stock was a bit more expensive when I left the room because I stood up for myself. So I think that that's how you think.
1: I also say things just to see what the reactions are. I, I'm, I'm actually looking for yeah. reactions and responses.
2: But that's really clever. You read the room. If you can't read the room, you throw in a grenade to help you read the room, and that's what you did. And I remember afterwards uh, we were sitting having coffee because TV is hurry up and wait, and you said, do you remember that day? I went, yeah, and you said, your boss should have said that you were the absolute queen of telly.
1: Yeah, and how did you feel about that, by the way?
2: I didn't think it was a smart move because if... Uh, that person was pushing me into a situation where I had to be impressive, uh, then it would have been really smart to give my CV and make me really impressive because you didn't know me. No, correct. Yeah. So it would have been brilliant for him to say, Do you know, she's rock and roll. You've got the queen of telly here. You don't need to worry about a thing. Now, I was very confident because, you know, every show I've made have been number one. So it's fine. And, you know, I. I'm quite a nice person, so I get on with people. So I knew it would be okay, but it just set me back a few steps. But I really liked you for doing it. I thought, I'd do that.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because, I, I mean, I, the reason I do that, I actually think I get I get a lot more out of the individuals when I don't know who they are because I am actually want to know who they are and so it starts yeah. to make me inquire. Your strength, in my opinion, is an observation but your strength really is knowing what to do with that observation, because basically you're a service provider. You give yeah. services to organisations who need to know how to bring the best version of themselves out to their audience, whoever that may be. It may be to a board, maybe for a chairman to his board, it might be for a CEO to their staff, it might be for a business to their audience or their customers or whoever it is. There could be um, it could be someone to their bank, trying to convince the bank to stay with them or to lend them more money, whatever it is.
2: Yes. So you've got to think about your audience. Number one, who's your audience? What do they want? How would you like them to do what you would like them to do? But how would you like to get them to change their behavior? So we can get people to change their behavior very quickly. So, on The Celebrity Apprentice, we would look at the room because everything everything is doable in your business. If you want to walk into a room and you want to own that room, it's very doable. You just have to know how to do it. It's doable. So, on The Celebrity Apprentice, we would be really strategic about who we would ask the first question to. Because if you ask it to someone like Dermot Brereton, Dermot comes from a background of working with teams. He is a team player. He will never, ever say anything about anyone on his team because that's his background. It's like the military. Now, Roxy Jasenko, not like that. <laughs> She's my favourite. You know, Tell I love Roxy. It? Yeah. So
1: she'll throw someone on the bus.
2: Roxy's just very honest. She is a very, very honest individual. I like that. I like to know where I stand with people. That's one of the things I really like about you. You're really honest. You'd come in, you'd say, your team aren't performing, they were late. You are brilliant, I'll sort that out. Rather than you sitting there stewing all day and not saying anything, and I've got no idea where you're cross. You know, you're very honest. I really like that. If you want people in the room, if you want to change the atmosphere in the room, you can start with Dermot, and he will say everyone was brilliant, and then everyone will say everyone was brilliant. Or you can start with Roxy, and Roxy will say, there were some disappointing people today, Mark. And the whole tone of the room will change in six words. Now, when you understand people and you understand motivation, you understand the audience and you understand that people will do essentially whatever you would like them to do, but you've got to encourage them to want to do it, it works. If you have a dog and it's raining, you do not want to take your dog for a walk, but your dog will produce you. Your dog will come and sit in front of you with the lead and it will do the poor thing and it will do the head. (laughs) You know, take me and suddenly you're in the park in the pouring rain. Now, when you're very clever, when you're as clever as your dog, you can encourage people at work or in life to do what you would like them to do, and they want to do it, which is essentially what TV is. No one actually wants to watch television. We make it so interesting. You want to watch it. So, how do you get people to change their behavior? I can do it in 60 minutes, you know, I do it in an hour, and people contact me afterwards and say, I have stopped thinking. The way I thought, I've absolutely changed my thinking. And I go, for how long? They go, for life. I've changed the way I think about how I approach everything, how I speak to people, how I write. If your Netflix ad, your LinkedIn, or the front page of your website is not interesting, no one's interested. And you know, we would watch the show back and the first six minutes would be dull and then it would kick off. And the team would say, Yeah, it gets good in six minutes. And we say, Well, what are we going to do? Write to everyone in the country and say, I know the first five minutes are really dull. But stick with it, because six minutes in, it's great. Or do you make it interesting in the first 30 seconds? And if you do, people watch the next 30. And in a meeting, if you're interested in interesting in 30 seconds, people listen to you for the next 30 seconds and the next and the next and the next. But it's not their job to listen to you. It's your job to make them want to. It's not anyone's job to be interested in this podcast. It's our job to make it interesting. It's not their job to listen to it. It's our job to make them want to. And when you turn the way you think and you think like that, your entire business changes because you're not thinking about you, you're thinking about them. And in TV, all we do is we think about them. We don't make shows that we want to make. We make shows people want to watch.
1: And it's sort of what um, the various digital platforms do. They do it. They manipulate. They find out what you want. By watching what you look at, what, click how long bait, you click stay Clickbait,
2: clickbait, clickbait. And bait. they're
1: just sending little things out all yeah. the time. And then they eliminate those things you couldn't be damned about. And then they grab those things they know everybody's looking at and then they start to develop that and refine it, refine it, refine it. And they've even, they're so clever because they've worked out oh, why don't we tell people to put likes on there, what they like, so we can know, know. if they like, how clever, like it's thumbs the, up.
2: It's the pokies. It's, they're the pokies.
1: And, but it's the ultimate knowing what the audience wants, and then giving them more of it. Let's say someone's saying, Oh, well, I want to set up a flower business and, I'm, you know, I want to use Instagram to get everybody excited about my shop and what I do at my shop. If you're doing this, you've got to get people engaged straight away.
2: Yes, and you have to have a point of difference. So if you open up a flower shop that's like every other flower shop, my question would be, what's the point? There are flower shops. If you opened up a flower shop that said, we sell flowers specifically for joy. All the colors and the scents we put together that are colors that can make you feel really, really happy. So when you give our flowers, when anyone looks at it, their serotonin will go up, their you know happiness level will go up. That's all we do. You'd go, oh, that's interesting. I want to make my friends happy. I'll go and buy my flowers from there rather than, can I have that bunch of flowers at the petrol station? So what? how are you different? What is your point of difference? Because if you're like everyone else, I can throw a dart into your industry, hit anyone and employ them. I like people in the room who disagree with me. You know, lots of people like to surround themselves with people who smile agree. smart
1: fuckers. Yeah. I call them smart fuckers. They're all trying to fuck you with a smile.
2: Well, I think that, that shits me. instantly fireable because yeah. you think I have my totally. opinion. I don't need someone sitting next to me echoing it back to me. I need someone else in the room that is going to disagree because then they will get a bit smarter. Whereas if you're just telling me what I already know, what's the point in you existing? There's no point, I can fire you. You need to have someone in every room who says, do you think that'll work? Do you think that's a good idea? Hmm, I'm not sure about that. Try and kill every idea before you take it to market. And then when you take it to market, you know it's a good one. So in TV, we used to kill 99% of the ideas. We go, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. So when you walked in to pitch something, you were wildly confident and you'd thought about how you were going to pitch it because you need to produce every single thing you do. You produce yourself perfectly. You always look in absolutely perfect white shirt, a mainly suit, or you've got a black t shirt on. You're so on brand. You're never off brand. And that's brilliant. You should be Trump on brand. Trump did
1: me that. Yeah. He
2: did. No, he's a genius. I mean, he's Trump's got the worst genius. looking
1: brand of all time. But he, he dresses does, like Mark. shit. No. But it is, it is the Trump brand.
2: I'm going to disagree I with you. I don't like there. his styling. No, but let me I say this wear it to you. That way. So here's my question to you, Mr. Boris. Does. Washington have hairdressers? I guess so. He could go and have that haircut, couldn't he? Are there tailors in Washington? For sure. Yeah. But he chooses to wear a suit that looks like he borrowed it from his uncle and put it under the bed, under the mattress and slept in it. Why?
1: Because it's his brand. It's what everyone recognises. They know
2: it. Because he doesn't want to look like a man who poos in the gold toilet. He wants to look like a bloke who doesn't own all the factories. He runs them. He wants to hit middle America because there's more of middle America than anybody else. But he can't. You know, he can't appeal to them if he's wearing a gold lame suit, but he can if he looks a bit like them. So I think he deliberately absolutely deliberately wears a suit that doesn't fit. You know, he's extremely orange. He could have a tan that worked. It's possible. You know, and he have, could have a haircut. He could be styled tomorrow to look reasonably okay but he looks like an orange tennis ball with a bit of fluff stuck on top. It looks <laughs> awful. God bless him. But I think he does it really specifically. I think he's a genius and he worries me.
1: I know. I, I, he worries me too, but I have to be honest with you, I think he's a, the best self-marketing person that I've ever met in my life.
2: So who said make, make America great again? Him. Yeah. Now, if I said to you, name five other mission statements from politicians, no, I can't tell him. You I couldn't tell you one. But I could tell you what Rick Astley stands for. He's never going to give you up, he's never going to let you down, he's never going to run around, he's never going to desert you. I couldn't tell you what Albanese stood for. Rick Astley 35 years ago. Albanese 35 weeks ago. Where is your messaging, my friend? Where is your story that cuts through? What do you stand for? And I don't know. I live in this country. But we all know what Rick Astley said 35 years ago. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Make America great again. I don't know what Albanese said or Scomo or Clinton or Biden or, you know, really.
1: And we know Clinton for, for something else. The wrong one. Yes. And it's funny how things stick. And, and so if you are- stick.
2: That's exactly it, Mark.
1: What sticks. What sticks. Yeah. And it does come down to what you stand for and how hard you prosecute it.
2: And how often you say it. How often, yes. How often do you say it? So when I do talks and I do lots of keynotes uh, and I say to people, which show is this from? You're fired. They can Mm. say it. I'll say, what did Albanese say? What if I said you were the weakest? They go, link. The tribe has spoken. What shows that? So you can repeat TV shows, but you cannot repeat what politicians say. My favorite fact about television is in the UK, you know, you don't have to vote more young people voted for the winner of Britain's Got Talent than in the general election. Wow. More young people cared about a dancing dog, which was frankly a very good dancing dog, but they cared more about that dancing dog than who was running the country, education, sustainability, climate change, the military. They cared more because the storytelling is better in television. Politicians and businesses, I think, do not tell their story well. They are dull and dull costs you money.
1: Your business, um, you like to tell people how to sort of rise above the noise. like you know The white them, noise. The white noise. Yeah. Yeah, and there is a lot of white noise. And by the way, I fucking hate that shit. I mean, I'm not even interested. A slightest has been interested in it, which is why I've been calling out the Reserve Bank Governor in the last couple of weeks. Because the Reserve Bank Governor is sitting there manipulating our bank accounts effectively taking money out of our bank accounts in order to change our behavior and the behavior he's trying to change is that he thinks we spend too much money, which he then says creates this problem called inflation, which he then says is a worse outcome than having high interest rates. Okay, whatever. And I've been calling him out and I've been saying he's giving me brain damage. Because one minute he tells me to spend money during COVID,
2: I, I thought I was supposed to be spending money. Am I not supposed to be spending no, money? No, you're not at the moment. Gosh, I wish someone had told me because the <clears> last you message I news. had. No, I haven't.
1: But now he's telling us don't spend money, and uh, like, this is like getting thrown around the boxing ring by someone who's seven foot three, and you know you're fifty kilos, and they're one hundred and twenty kilos. They're just picking up, throwing from one corner to the other corner, and that's why he keeps saying he's giving me brain damage, and. Someone needs to call this, this dude out, but it's a different topic. I would say to him, you, Maz, I suspect
2: know, it will be you, darling. <laughs> I am doing it.
1: I, I, but, I mean, I have to be honest with you. I'm getting a lot of criticism for it too. You will. This guy's untouchable. You're not allowed to say what you think. Well, I don't give a shit. I'll say what I think.
2: Which is brilliant, which is why I constantly say to you, get into politics.
1: Because I guess I am in some respects.
2: You You are, but I would like you to officially be in politics. People are really smart. We're clever. Tell us the outcome you want. And encourage us to behave in a certain way. Don't lecture us. Don't people speak in white noise all the time. When I listen to the weather and it'll say, you know, 35% chance of precipitation. And there's and all I really want to know is have an umbrella, wear a coat, wear sunscreen. I mean, literally, that's it. Wear sunscreen today. You go, okay, well, thank you. Give me some clear messaging. I Take will act on it. Yes. But really, 35% of precipitation, you go, is that good or bad?
1: Yeah, well, that's a meteorologist, a scientist talking to you. And the problem is no one's ever actually taught them how to speak.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
1: I would ask you, Maz, like in relation to our Reserve Bank Governor, you've seen some footage of the dude. How would Marion Farrelly, or Maz Speaks, the business, what, what would you suggest to our Reserve Bank Governor in terms of him trying to get his message across? His message is inflation is worse than me putting the interest rates up. i mean, actually, let's assume he's genuine and he has real empathy, but he just doesn't tell us about it. He really wants our country to be... Of high quality economically and not too many variations. And he wants our standard living to, to be good relative to the rest of the world. How's he going to get that? How does he get that message out? I mean,
2: I think it'd be really interesting.
1: What would you do in his change? Would you give him a makeover or what?
2: Uh, I would love to work with politicians because I think, I think. They're in a very privileged position. And I think they feel very privileged. I think they think because they speak, we're listening, but we're not. We can't hear them. It's just white noise. And that is the reason Trump breaks through because A, he's honest. I completely disagree with everything he says, but I respect him. I think you're brilliant at what you do. He knows his audience. Think about the audience. Australians, my friends with mortgages, I'm very blessed. I don't have a mortgage. My friends with mortgages are terrified at the moment. They're terrified to buy a coffee because it's creeping up and creeping up and creeping up. At the beginning, if there was a way of saying, I suspect this is what's going to happen. There's going to be some bad news and this is what's going to happen. And for the next two years, we're going to be creeping up and creeping up. Now, this is what we're going to do. So we're all in it together rather than being lectured. How do you tell your story in a way that relates to me that I can understand that makes me feel okay about it? And also, just be clear, make it interesting. Don't tell me there's a 35% chance of particip- precipitation. Tell me something really practical that I can do and tell me why. And I think uh, New Zealand lost you know, an incredible politician because she was just very honest and straightforward. And it felt like she was one of us doing that job. And politicians, for me in this country, feel like a completely different breed doing a job and speaking down to us. And that is not winning us over. It's not going to work. Doesn't
1: so work. I actually invited him onto my show. If and if I, I said, was
2: him, I would come, I would do it right now. I would be here at midday.
1: I said, turn up. I'm not going to give you a hard time. Just tell your story. So-
2: but also, it's your job to be given a hard time. You know, when I used to make reality TV shows, I would have to defend them a lot. And I should. I should be asked really difficult questions because I'm the boss of it. You know, when terrible things happened, and my team would all turn around and look at me and they kind of go, you're going to have to deal with it. And I'd say, I know I earn more. Yeah. Of course I'm going to go and do that. Same as
1: him. He's on a million bucks a year, so he should be accountable.
2: Should be sitting here. Yeah, don't. Go like. out, Do you know, go and talk. Be like, you know, just have people ask you difficult questions because isn't that better? So you can just honestly say, this is what I think is going to happen. Before I used to make uh, reality TV shows, I would give people a talk of doom and I would positively encourage them not to do it. And I'd say, you'll be too famous to be famous, but not famous enough or too famous to go back to your job, not famous enough to be famous. So you probably won't work for two years. Anyone you've ever slept with will sell their story to the papers. You don't think they will. They will. If you're in a bar and you're a bloke, someone will try and punch you. You know, if you're a girl, no one will date you for two years. If you kiss someone in the house, your mother will get a brick through the window saying your daughter is a bit loose. Don't do this. Don't do it. That's my advice. You will embarrass your family. You'll embarrass yourself. This is what's going to happen. And people would still do it. But I was honest with them up front. And they said, This is what's going to happen. Do you want to do it? And everyone walked in with their eyes open. You think, Brilliant. Just be honest. Tell us what's going to happen. Tell us it's going to be really hard. But be honest. And sit in there and have the difficult conversations because he looks like a really nice man. He seems to be doing his best.
1: Yeah, he. he Get uh, out
2: there and tell everyone you're doing your best.
1: But totally struggling. And, yeah. and he's had no training. The problem is
2: you've got to train people it's not fair. as well. Here's a dude who's
1: an economist. It isn't fair. Here's no, so so he's a dude who's an economist. To him. 100%. Or, the, or to the people who have to listen. So uh, across the yeah. board, bad news. So here's a dude, he's an economist, probably quite brilliant. And someone asked me the other day on Sky News, oh, we know, who would you replace him with? And I said, well, quite frankly, he's probably the best of the breed. And like in terms of economic he's intellect, best. he's, he's the best, best in the country. Yeah. That's why he's there. Would you renew his contract? No, I probably wouldn't renew his contract, which comes up for, for renewal in September because he's blotted the copybook too much. So he's now the center of hatred. He's the, the person who everyone's hates. But
2: let's not hate him. Let's help him. It's too easy. It's something that makes me very cross. It's very easy to go from zero to hatred. Mm. And I pull people up on it all the time. And friends of mine would go, Oh, Megan Markle, you know, oh my gosh, she's a nightmare. So, really, you met her? They go, No, well, I've never met her. And they go, Right. But you know someone who knows her no you're right okay i like but it you oh, know, face. yeah you know you know you know what's happened behind the scenes well no it's just you know there are stories there are stories about me there are stories about you it doesn't mean they're true because they're stories give her the benefit of the doubt anything i've seen her do she seems quite nice she's a humanitarian you know she wrote she changed the way a washing up liquid company advertised when she was like nine or something or 15. You go, she's a good human, isn't she? Talented. Yes. Now, I don't know her, but I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt before I hate her. If she comes and she, you know, vomits in my handbag, I will not like her very much. But until then, I have to have an open mind about her, don't I? If this man is doing his best, let's not hate him. Let's give him the tools to do even better. If he's the best in the country, let's celebrate him, embrace him, give him the tools to be even better. And that's... He will be better if we all support him and we help him be better. He's not a trained speaker. It's not his job. He's an economist. I can speak, but you wouldn't want me running the country <laughs> economically. And I, I, you know, maybe you would, Mark, because you've seen me with a budget. I'll so be maybe <laughs> it'll be fun.
1: <laughs> would it be, what, what, I mean, would you say to him, because what's important, I think, and you once told me this, is the power of a pause. Oh, yeah. And um, so. But there are more there are more things to it is the language you use, the tonality you use um the pause, the changes in tonality, the speed at which you speak um and all your physicality how you address so would you say you've seen some excerpts of him, I showed you something earlier on he needs to be not just. It's not just the content that a PR person work, writes for him that he needs to talk to, but he needs a complete makeover. And he's like every other CEO I think that I've known. He's basically the CEO of our economic environment in Australia. That's, that's his real role um, as opposed to the chairman of the Reserve Bank board. Most people don't know what the stuff that means. Like, who knows what that means, so re- chairman of the Reserve Bank board? Because or no the one's governor. He's a governor. It. What the hell does a governor mean? Like,
2: But no one explains. It's white noise, Mark, isn't it? Yeah, totally. If he...
1: But it, the governor's precipitation.
2: It is. It's, and you just think, just tell me if I need an umbrella. So, if I were him, you know, the next time I was on TV, I'd say, look, I know you all hate me. And, you know, it doesn't feel nice, but that's my job. So, you know, this is what I think is going to happen to the country. This is based on 25 years of me being, you know, an economist. Now, it's not an exact science. But I've spoken to three hundred people. that I think are really, really clever. You know the people that I have sought out, uh, and you're going to be worried by this. But in six months' time, I think that if we do this now, this will change. And I know you're going to hate to hear that, but six months is only, you know, November. So when this, you know, the summer comes around again, I think it's going to be a good summer if we do this. A bit like saying to your kids, you know, if you tidy your room, you can have a biscuit or we'll go to Dreamworld or whatever it is. If you give us you know, honesty and you make it very, very clear, and you know, who take that job? I mean, what an awful job, because everyone is gonna hate you. And you think that poor man, you know, it's worth a million because every time he walks into a restaurant, everyone goes, I hate him. And you go, Bless him. And he's worked very hard to get the job. So I think Let's not let's not hate each other. We are the world. But I think, yeah, let's not. It's too easy to jump to hatred uh, very, very quickly. So I think let's not do that and let's help him. He's doing his best. What? Well, I don't know him. You'd know whether he's doing his best. I suspect he is doing his best.
1: He's doing his best. He might have gone a bit too far, but that doesn't matter because too far just means we get the outcome faster. In other words, we kill off inflation quicker. If the Reserve Bank government said, you know what, I'm sorry, it's really bad. I understand people are really doing it tough, et cetera. But, you know, maybe just hang in there for a bit. I, I think it'll be okay in six months or maybe yeah. eight months.
2: This is why I'm doing it. Let me explain to you why I'm doing this. You know, and you it's think it's language, okay. though, isn't it? Yeah, it's making things understandable and simple. When you use white noise, you're just not understood. In TV, people say constantly, I really want to win this. And my friend Caroline Spencer, Caroline Swift, she says, Uh, she calls them no shit Sherlock statements. And, you know, people would say something, she'd go, no shit Sherlock. I really want to win this. I'm going to give it 110%. It's not my time to go. I'm nervous, but excited. So we would ban all of those words. You know, if you say that, we would just chop it out. If someone says, I'm nervous, but excited, you say to them, why? They go, well, I have never sung in public before. Why? You know, and suddenly you'll have an amazing story. But when you speak in white noise, nobody hears. It goes back to, you know, the first thing I said, if your Netflix ad is boring, no one is going to click on that TV show. And for us, that's $30 million down the drain. It's big money. But it's the same in your business. If you go in and you're pitching someone and your pitch is boring, they're not going to buy your idea. You know, It's the same with every politician. Trump speaks in sound bites. He's wildly clever. I don't agree with, you know, pretty much anything he says. But because he's had that TV training, he understands the audience brilliantly. So when he says something, it is really, 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 really clear. Most politicians don't do that. They do this thing where they repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And they talk like they are Winston Churchill back in the old days. And you think, no, talk to me like I am a reasonably smart human being. Just treat me like I'm you. So when anyone was ever disrespectful of audiences in TV, I'd say to them, we're the audience. I watch TV. You know, people go, audiences are stupid. No, 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 no. They hold our careers in their hands. They are everything in our world. Your audience is everything. Think about them. Think about what you can give them that they want and how do you deliver it in a way that's very palatable to them. And keep it simple. One clear message. What is your one clear message? We're going to get the economy back on its feet it's going to be hard but we'll get there that's all is all i do every day for 12 hours a day i think about how to get this economy back on its feet i don't make cakes i don't buy flowers i just do this this is all i do and i'm a specialist and if anyone can do it we're going to give it a go we will try you think i'll be on board with that i'll support you but at the moment it's just white noise
1: that's very interesting, and because he does, and he does talk about precipitation in, in a sense, he uses that type of language. Because, and all he ever appears before is parliamentary committees. There's no animation in the dude. Like uh, he doesn't give me any sense that there's some hope around the corner.
2: But well, why don't we speak in a way that everyone understands? You know, in TV, we could. You know, we make s- scripts very simple because we want to appeal to a very broad audience. We're really, you know, we want as many people as possible to understand what we're saying. So we keep our language very short. I say this to people when they are writing a speech, a pitch, a TV show, uh, anything at all. Imagine I'm giving you a million dollars. So I'm going to give you a million dollars. I'm going to take back $10,000 for every word you use. How many words are you going to use? Very, very, very few. Make every single one of them do some very heavy lifting because they're costing you $10,000 a word and people will speak forever and they say what they want to say rather than what you want to hear. You think if you're speaking, there is an audience, think about them. Unless you're in the shower and you're singing to yourself, that's fine. But if there's anyone sitting in front of you, the most important person in the room is not you, it's them. Think about them constantly. How can you deliver your message in a way that they understand, they engage with and makes them want to take action? I did um, a meeting with um, some politicians in, I don't know, Melbourne or Canberra, I can't remember. At the end of the meeting, uh, this is back when I was making TV, they said, um, so what else, what other kind of things do you do? And I said, I get people to vote. I get people to vote for people they don't know and outcomes that don't affect them. And they give me money to do it. They want to do it. They actually pay me to vote. And you could see above their little heads, these little light bulbs going, oh, my God, yeah, big hair here. She knows a bit about this. And you go, yes. When you're engaging, people are engaged. It is that simple and people don't really get it. When you're engaging, people are engaged. When you're interesting, people are interested. And then you deliver your message and you deliver it in a really powerful way and people will generally take action, I believe.
1: Anyone who is listening to this, they better pay attention. I hope they're taking some notes. Storytelling or the art of storytelling.
2: It's everything.
1: No one's ever actually told anybody what does that mean. Cool. What does it mean?
2: So when you give me facts, they're generally quite dull. Mm. When you tell me a story around those facts, they will come to life and they will become what I call sticky information. So if I said to you, Mark, shell. Last year made, I can't remember, was it 99 billion or 999 billion? Something over 90. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a number, isn't it? And it kind of doesn't matter because it's such a big number. It's just white noise. Now, if I said to you, imagine that you were given $80,000 every day since the day Jesus was born, you wouldn't have made as much money as Shell did last year. That's the difference between a fact and a story. So you're probably not going to remember. I can't remember this $99 million or $999 billion, billion. But I can remember there's $80,000 every day since Jesus was born. They made more money than that. Now, good on them because that's their job and, you know.
1: If you're a shareholder, you're happy.
2: If you're a shareholder, you're happy. Would I like them, you know, to do something with the money that was really meaningful? Yes, of course I would. Please invite me in Shell. I am available at masspeaks.com. But... When you give people facts, it's pretty dull. When you tell them a story like that, it will stick in their brains. The most, so there are three, I have three rules of um, storytelling. So get your pens or your parchment or your phone or, you know, carve it into your dog's uh, side. Uh, Make me laugh. Make me cry. Surprise me. So if you do those three things, your story will probably work. Uh, If you can do one, good. If you can do two, that's good. If you can do all three, we're in competition. So make me laugh. Even in the most serious of situations, if you can make someone laugh, they'll cut through. If you're at a table and people next to you are laughing, you will laugh. You'll just laugh. You do it. It's very contagious. And also laughter is interesting. No one is on their phone during a comedy session. People do not do it. Make me cry. When I say make me cry, I mean, make me care. How do you make me care about your story? How do you make me care about you? How do you make me care about your business? How do you make me care about your hopes and your dreams? And the final one is surprise me. We love surprises. So television, like The X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, Australia's Got Talent, all those shows, built on surprise. You know, we're going to tell you the story of this woman called Susan Boyle, who actually, oh, look at her, you know, she lives at home with a cat, she's never been kissed. But can't But boy, Wow. So we tell you the story that makes you think she is absolute nonsense. This woman is just ridiculous. She lives at home with a cat. She can't remember where she lives. She's going to be terrible, isn't she? And then suddenly she starts to sing and you go, oh, my God. If you watch that back, she will make you laugh, make you cry and surprise you. That's the reason Susan Boyle is famous. Not because she's a great singer. She's fine. But her producer was a guy called Ben Thursby, who is one of the best storytellers in television in the world, I think. That's the reason she was unknown on Saturday night. She was on Oprah on Monday. If you tell an amazing story, your business will change. Dull costs money. I can't say enough. You're dull. It's costing you money. People aren't interested. You will never be invited to a panel. You'll never be invited for an opinion. No one cares about your business. They can't repeat it back to someone the next day. You know, thinking of getting a mortgage. Oh, I met someone yesterday who deals in mortgages. What do they do? I can't remember. I met a guy, I did, um, I talked at the Terry White conference last week. He's a guy who does chemists chemists, yeah. Uh, There's a guy who works in men's health. What do you think his one line is? It's brilliant. I fix dicks. they fabulous? I fix dicks. And you think, well, it's one message. It's very, very clear. I know exactly what you do. I will remember it. And here I am saying it to you. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, if he said oh, I work in men's health and I, you know, look after men's health, and I do, he's going to go, "Oh, white noise. Who cares?" It's genius. It's so clever.
1: At least um, become come across friendly and a sort of semi-smiley way.
2: Yeah. So during the Celebrity Apprentice boardroom, you would always throw in a one-liner that was funny. So you would break the tension. And at home, I call it a reset button. So tense, 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 tense. I can't take that forever. I need some relief from it. You'd throw in a one-liner. Everyone would laugh. And then we would start again, building up the tension. So when you're tense for a long time, you stop notice you're tense. You know, it just becomes white noise in a way. So in TV, we chapter stuff. You know, we... We'll have people standing up and applauding. We will change music. We will change tempo. We will change lighting. We chapter. So now we're in a new bit. Now we're in a new bit. Now we're in a new bit. How do you do that? So when you use laughter, laughter is contagious. Laughter makes you feel good. Uh, if If you're entertaining, people will be engaged. If they're engaged, they'll take action. So when I do keynotes, I try to be as funny as possible, which for me, as you know, Mark, is so easy because I'm hysterically funny. But I try and get people on side.
1: Well, that in itself is quite funny.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Moderately. Uh, I try and get people on side with laughter because I think if you're laughing, you're loosened up a little bit and you probably quite like me. You don't hate people who make you laugh. You quite like them because it feels nice to laugh. So when you are engaged when you're entertained, you're engaged. And then I can get you to take the action I would like you to take, which is please make loads of notes. Please change your behaviour. Now I could stand on the stage and shout at them, but that won't work. So every talk I do, I treat it like a TV show. And I think, what do I want? I want you to walk out of this room having had a really good time, because if you've had a good time, you're going to feel warm about it and you're going to like my messaging and you're going to remember it. And I think it will have gone in, but it won't feel like you're learning. Alison, uh, my old business partner and I, we used to call it Trojan horse training. So we would train people, but they were laughing because so they didn't know that they were being trained in a way. And then afterwards, they go, it was so funny. Oh my God, I've written like 20 pages of notes. I go, brilliant, because that's what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to write 20 pages of notes. I want you to leave this room and action them. And people generally will. But I'm very specific about it. I think I'm not going to come in and lecture you. I'm going to come in. I'm going to talk to you. Like you and me, I'm going to tell you amazing stories. I talk about you all the time. Uh, you know, there are so many things I learned from you, uh, and I remember in you know, the one that everyone knows, but I do talk about it all the time. When you're sitting with Kerry Packer, you know the story of Kerry Packer when he said, "What do you sell, Mark? It's not effing mortgages." Uh, and also, when people talk about leaders, and I remember saying to you one day, uh, "Pauline Hansen, she wants to be the leader." And you said, there are no leaders. There are only people other people want to follow.
1: Yeah, I am leaving yeah, followers. So who's I the know. followers?
2: It was so profound. It changed the entire way I thought about leadership. I thought, you can't walk into a room and go, i am the leader? Like, it's just so mad, isn't it? It's, and people
1: can see through that too.
2: Yeah, it's bonkers. You have to be the kind of person, actually, people want to hang out with and want to please you. And, you know, I've had bosses in the past say, you're too friendly with all your team you can't reprimand them and i say okay so the difference between you and me is i never need to they want to please me they want to make me happy because we're all in this together i just have a different job i'm not different and that's the thing i think politicians don't understand is i am part of a team when i'm running a tv show yes i'm the boss of it but that's my job i'm the boss of it and someone else has the job that isn't the boss of it but we're all doing a job to make this work so I think you have to behave like that, and I think if you do, then you possibly are someone people want to follow. Um, Politicians are getting it really, 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 really wrong. I would, I would so love to work with them because I think you just—if I can get people to vote, (laughs) you know, every week in their millions—how can you not encourage people with your messaging? It's almost impossible. You have huge. Your team is fifty times bigger than my team. My team's tiny. And you're running the country. It doesn't really matter what happens on the X Factor or the celebrity apprentice or the farm wants a wife. But it really does matter what happens with the country. Up your game. Get better at it. You need to. And it's frankly a disgrace that you can't do it, I think.
1: I've got nothing to add. You just took all the oxygen. <laughs> and and all I, all I want to no, know how I want to finish this off is I want to say two words Maz speaks. <laughs> And actually, no, honestly, <gasps> that is the case. I'd love listening to what you say. Um, I think you're speaking a, like a lot of sense from my point of view, definitely. But politicians sh- should be engaging someone like your, you, Marion Farrelly, um, and it's mazspeaks.com.au or .com? Dot com. Dot .com. Also,
2: I'm active on LinkedIn. I'm quite, yeah, I'm not great on socials, but I'm on LinkedIn a lot. So
1: you're on LinkedIn. Mas and I, I do think that not only politicians, but business owners should be, at least following you or listening to you or perhaps even engaging with you if they're trying to work out what they're going to do, and even if it's just an hour or two, um, I think it would make a massive difference. Most people do not understand how to put any light color movement into the way they appear, what, they, what their content is, um, and how they deliver it. Most people I know. Most people, whether they're, they're good at business or not, I don't care you, you've got to be good at business. You, what I mean by that is, don't be a plumber and think you're, a, you're in the business of plumbing. There's a big difference. Uh, don't be a mortgage broker and think you're in the business of mortgage broking. The the business of mortgage broking is not about the skill. That's being the mortgage broker. That's about the skill. The business of mortgage broker is about making yourself interesting and being able to pe- get people to come and want to treat with you. Yeah. And that's about storytelling. It's about re- relating to people. It's about, you know, getting them to follow you because there's something that you do that they believe in.
2: Yeah. If you're speaking, it's not given that people are listening. If you post, it's not a given that people are going to engage with that. You have to make them want to. Dull really does. It's costing you your business and it's costing politicians and leaders their business. It absolutely is. If you're dull, guess what? No one is interested.
1: I think people couldn't give us stuff about politics
2: or government anymore. We should want to vote. We should be so excited about it. Yeah. You know, I drove past a politician. I live in Glebe and uh, one of the politicians said, it's a fresh approach. I had to stop myself from getting out of the car and going over to her and saying, what's fresh? <laughs> what is it fresh though? Just tell me, you know, what is it? Because if you're going to say it, people say the same thing all the time. They say authentic. And when I work with companies, uh, I say to them, what does that mean? It means that you're not going to lie to me. Isn't that just a given? How many times... Have you heard the expression, we're in unprecedented times?
1: Oh, my God. Through Mark, COVID. And when, now, the same.
2: When did you last live in unprecedented times? Yeah. When did you last live in a world where every single thing you thought was going to happen happened? It's just nonsense. People say it all the time. It's such white noise. You know, people say, I'm a people person. You go, what's that mean? You don't want to work with cats. You know, I'd really love to work with just cats. Hate people. You go, that's interesting. I'm a people person. It's absolute white noise nonsense. I mean, it's just crazy. What does it mean? You're going to come into the office and not kill everyone. Do you know, I'm a real pooper person? Not going to kill anyone. It's just, it's white noise nonsense. Politicians speak in white noise. Lots of senior executives speak in white oh, noise. Totally. Because they've gotten used to it. But guess what? No one is listening to you. It's the brutal truth. Change that.
1: Well, to some extent, I mean, I'm going to finish off with this, but to some extent. I know.
2: So we're we're going, going to be here, to here until Easter, ages, aren't we? But some people,
1: some people are actually happy to engage in white noise because everyone glazes over and dull emerges, but they don't get challenged. So therefore they think they're doing an okay job. They walk out of the meeting, I'm not challenged, it's okay. Everybody's sort of sat there nodding their head and a smile fucking me. And... Uh, that meeting's over, it's good, I'm finished, I'm going to the next thing. And I think COVID just created a little bit of that because I mean, I'm I'm dead set against Zoom meetings. Zoom meetings, people put in their diary, it's an appointment, they come in, they go, they, they come into the meeting, they listen to everybody, everyone says, so, hi, my name is Marion Farrell and I'm in charge of this and I'm, hi, I'm Mike Russell, I'm in charge of that. And then the, the meeting's over in an hour or whatever it is and then everybody clicks off and they go back to whatever they are doing before and they forget about what they just talked about or there's no outcome whatsoever. But they actually think it's good because I did that and I think we've become very... Not so much you or me, but I think people become very, very lazy intellectually, and they're not challenging themselves. They're not interested. I I think people are. There are a lot of people who are, but there's a lot of people who are not interested in telling a story anymore. They become used to it. Challenge people. Maz, lovely to see you.
2: And you, it's always a joy. You are such a beautiful human. Thanks, Maz. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,